Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home with joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, Good morning. We're Todd and Michelle Perry. We want to welcome you to our worship service this morning and just say thank you for joining us. Whether you're worshiping live or online, it is our hope that we all come together as a community to celebrate and draw closer to the living God. Cypress Bible Church is a body of imperfect people who worship the one true and perfect God. As we gather, grow, and go, we are constantly being molded more into the image of the living Christ. Before we begin our time of worship, we wanted to share just a few important announcements with you. 
First, we are working to open some of our children's ministry programming starting September 13th. Guidelines are in place to give our children and volunteers a safe environment. But in order for those programs to reopen, we need you. If you're able to volunteer during the 11 o'clock hour, or if you just want additional information, please contact Nancy Moore at the church office. Also, we're beginning a new collection at CBC and calling it Love Your Neighbor. We want to be a good neighbor to those in our community. We'll be collecting through Labor Day weekend. We would like to fill the trailer at least one more time. Every donation is appreciated and no donation is too small. We want to invite you now to join us as we all come together to lift our praise in worship. We are all called to worship God. He is worthy and will be praised. As Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the people were shouting praises to him, and the Pharisees asked Jesus to rebuke them. He said in Luke 19.40, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As we prepare our hearts to offer our praise to him, listen to the words of Psalm 150 and let this be our call to worship today. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise, praise the, the Lord. Lord. Let's stand together as we worship the living God. Here we go. What holds your heart? What stirs your soul? What matters come to mind? Come on, friends, let's praise him together. The cares you keep, the thoughts you think, it's not all wasted time. Seeking you will find. Joy still comes in the morning.
everything praise the Lord in the working in the waiting let it praise the Lord in the blessing in the breaking come on praise the Lord in the dying in the rising let it praise the still alive and breathing praise the lord don't stop dancing dancing and dreaming sun is shining shining praise the that has breath praise the Lord in Psalm 84 verses 1 and 2 it reads this how lovely is your dwelling place O Lord of hosts my soul long yes it faints for the courts of the Lord my heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God let us pray Lord we thank you so much for the privilege to be able to come and worship you here in your presence as a church family this morning Father, we thank you for Jesus who made this possible through his life, sacrificial death, and resurrection. Lord, as we worship you this morning in your word and in song, let us block out all of the noise that surrounds us. Let us leave all the distractions outside these doors. Father, all of the unrest that we see every day. Lord, all of the fear-mongering that we hear every day, Lord, let us block that out as we focus on you. May we choose to remember your goodness, your faithfulness, your hope, and your truth as we worship you today. Lord, we thank you as we worship you here in your presence today, Lord. May it be pleasing to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. of the Lord forever, Lord, that we would be in your presence. We worship you now. Inhabit the praise of your people, we pray. Found in your hands fullness of joy every fear 
we come together this morning, we make this declaration before you, Lord. Let's sing these words. You are wonderful, beautiful, glorious, matchless in every way, wonderful, beautiful, glorious, matchless in every way, wonderful, sisters. My name is Andrew Clements. Uh, together with my wife and two children, we are working with E3 Partners here in Northern Ireland and in the Republic of Ireland. Uh, we are praying and working towards a time when we can honestly say that on this island, the island of Ireland, there is no place left where we can't find healthy disciples and healthy churches. The story of Scripture begins and ends with the presence of God, from his presence in the creation and the Garden of Eden in Genesis to the new heaven and new earth in Revelation. God has continually manifested his presence. He is omnipresent. God is everywhere. But perhaps a better way to consider it is by saying God is here. He is with us. His story demonstrates that his presence is manifest in relationships and in redemption. Listen to David's expression of praise about the presence of God in Psalm 31. While being persecuted, 
by Saul and dwelling in the wilderness. This is what David says of the Lord. Psalm 31, 19 to 24. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. Praise the Lord, for he has shown me the wonders of his unfailing love. He kept me safe when my city was under attack. In panic, I cried out, I am cut off from the Lord. But you heard my cry for mercy and answered my call for help. Love the Lord, all you godly ones. For the Lord protects those who are loyal to him, but he harshly punishes the arrogant. So be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in him. For all who believe him and accept him, he gives the right to become the children of God and he will never leave you nor forsake you.
Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad y'all are here with us this morning. Uh, you know, it's been a joy to get to do these children's messages for the, all this summer, and uh, we're going to continue having a children's message the second and fourth Sundays of the month. Uh, and sometimes there'll be videos, sometimes they'll be live, um, but we want to celebrate uh, the kids that are with us, or if you're worshiping at home, uh, we want to celebrate with you as well. Um, now, today I've got a special friend who's going to come uh, up here and help me with uh, a small activity. So can I get Jonathan Chang to come up and help me? No, not that Jonathan Chang, the other one. <laughs> come on up, Jonathan. We'll try to keep six feet of distance as best as we can. You stand on your side. <laughs> so Jonathan, somewhere on this stage, I have hidden a blue bag, not this one, but something like this, and there is a gift for you inside. Okay, so you've got to go and search for it, and it might be hard to find, but you've got to keep on searching. And if you need more help, I might give you more help, but you've got to go find your gift. I promise it's nowhere near the band stuff, so don't start pulling wires or anything, uh, but it's somewhere up on the stage. All right, go ahead and start searching. All right, so while he is looking for his prize, his gift, uh, I want to tell you all we are looking for volunteers for Kids Life. Uh, we are hoping to open up on September 13th um, our children's programming only at 11 o'clock. And so we still have some openings in uh, all our areas. And so we'd love if you could give us some help. Um, contact uh, Nancy Moore and more at cbcintl.org. Um, so as he's still looking around, I'm going to give you a clue. Um, somebody that was a pillar of the church was Peter, so someone that was a pillar of the church. So maybe think about that for a little bit. Um, now sometimes we're kind of like Jonathan, right? We're looking for things, we're looking for different things in life, um, and sometimes we're looking for God, um, and it's tough to find. Okay, I'm going to give you another clue real quick. So there, there's one pillar, there's another pillar somewhere on the stage, see if you know where it is. Okay, there you go. I think, you're, I think you're on the right track. Keep looking. There you go. And sometimes it's tough to know where God is. Um, sometimes it feels like he's hiding from us. Um, but God doesn't play hide and seek. He's not just sitting there going like, oh, I wonder if they find me this time. Um, but God is sometimes not exactly right there. It feels like that sometimes. It feels like he's not right where we want him. But it, we're so close, we just got to reach a little further and look a little further, and then we find them. There you go. <laughs> hey, can you all give a round of applause for Jonathan coming up here? That was great. So you can look in your bag real quick, and I'm pretty sure your mom will agree with me that you can't have any of those things until after church, okay? All right? So I didn't, I didn't, yeah, yeah, okay. So you can go ahead and go back to your seat. <laughs> Good job, brother. Thanks for coming up here. Um, now, he maybe had a little trouble up there. Honestly, all of y'all would probably have trouble if you came up here trying to figure out where your, your prize was. Um, but sometimes it feels like God is far away from us. Sometimes it feels um, like we can't find him. Um, but the truth is that we know that God is omnipresent, that he is everywhere. He is with us. But there are times where it feels like he's far away. Um, just like if your mom or dad uh, have to go to the bathroom or they have to go work in another room and they close the door, I promise kids, they're not trying to hide from you. They've just got important business to do. Um, when I leave the house, my dog Buddy is barking his head off because he's like, when are you going to come back? Oh, you're never going to come back. Are you leaving me forever? But I've got work to do so I can, you know, make money and buy him dog food and treats. Um, so he doesn't always know what I'm doing, um, but I am doing things for his good, just like parents are doing good things for their kids. And God is at work. He is always doing great things, and sometimes we don't know his plans. 
Um, in our kids' worship video this week, we talked about how Jesus died and rose again. And he made a promise that he was coming back again, but the disciples, they got worried. They didn't know what was going on. And Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene and the disciples because he kept his promise, because God is faithful. And we can hold on to the hope that God keeps his promises. When it seems like God is far away, we can remember the verse that we learned this uh, summer in VBS. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's not a time limit on that. That doesn't say if you 10 minutes you seek me, you'll find me. Um, what God cares about is our heart. Um, we want to seek him even when it seems like there's no evidence of him. We can trust that he is with us. We can trust that he is real. And we can seek him with all our heart. So let's worship God with our heart as we continue to worship this morning. Peace, bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break. At your name, still call the sea to still, the rage in me to still every wave. At your name, I sing it. Jesus, Jesus. Darkness
sing out his name. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, no other name but Jesus, Jesus. Oh, praise the name of Jesus, Jesus. I was uh, realizing this week that uh, during our youngest daughter's life, our family moved six different times, and uh, not always at convenient times, or in the middle of her sophomore year of university, for example, we moved here to Texas. And as I told her, you keep finding us no matter where we go. Uh, probably the most disruptive move uh, for her was during... Uh, we're right in the middle of her sixth grade year. And uh, honestly, I failed to appreciate just how difficult this was for her. Uh, very stressful for an 11-year-old, 12-year-old uh, to go to a completely new place, have their life turned upside down, and I completely was oblivious to how disruptive this was for her until years later. And why? Well, I was distracted by my own uh, pressures and stresses and uh, changes as well. There are stressors in all of our lives. Some of them we experience all together as a culture, as a society. Uh, but uh, there are others that are very individual, and we don't necessarily uh, become aware of them in our life, whether they are financial stresses or, or health or relationships or addiction or grief or loneliness or loss. These things occur in our lives. And when several of them fall in on us all at once, uh, it is overwhelming. We continue our series called Survival Songs uh, as we focus each week, week on a different psalm. This morning it is Psalm 77, and it was written during a troubled time, a time of distress. And I believe it gives a strategy for surviving days of distress. The psalm was written by Asaph, uh, and most of uh, Asaph's compositions are included between Psalm 77 and uh, 73 and 83, rather. Those, all of those are Asaph psalms, and he has another one as well. Uh, who's he? Well, he was the musical director uh, for about uh, 40 years uh, uh, of Israel, the temple uh, worship leader, shall we say. He served during the reign, it seems, of three kings, King David, King Solomon, and then King Rehoboam. Uh, so here the choir leader Asaph uh, sees everything go downhill uh, toward the end of, of uh, his service because uh, King Rehoboam abandoned the law of God. Uh, and because of the unfaithfulness of the king, God allows Egypt, the enemy, to come and to attack Jerusalem. Uh, because of the people's attitude, though, God doesn't allow it to be destroyed, but certainly they do a great deal of damage. Second Chronicles 12 describes this when uh, it says Egypt brought an army of over 60,000 horsemen and too many soldiers to number, to count. They all came up and attacked uh, Jerusalem, and uh, they plunder the, the city, they take the king's treasure, and they uh, loot the temple as well. 
So here we have the holy place of God being desecrated. And you can imagine Asaph as the temple worship leader, how that impacted him, how that struck him. Uh, So we have the, the king is evil, the nation is in chaos, life is a mess, and Asaph writes a song of distress. And I believe that's the background of Psalm 77. Uh, This song is divided into four sections. Uh, Each one uh, ends with the word selah. Uh, And so those are the the four sections of this song that I want to take us through. Uh, That word selah uh, means to lift up. And so it could refer to volume. uh, That is, you know, get louder here. Uh, It could uh, refer to motions. Lift up your hands at this point in the song. It could be an instrumental break. Insert guitar solo here. Uh, Selah, we're not exactly sure what it refers to, but uh, this is, I want to take you through these four sections as a strategy for surviving days of distress. It begins this way uh, in verse 1. I cry aloud to God. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. So I trust that you can hear the desperation in these words. Uh, There is emotional, spiritual, mental agony that uh, Asaph's experiencing that just won't go away. His soul feels shriveled and lifeless. He calls out to the Lord and doesn't feel any better as a result. And and I want you to appreciate there's a lot of noise going on in this verse. Uh, He yells out loud. Uh, That's the the phrasing here. And even thinking of God causes him to moan. And that word moan means a, a loud, a noisy groan, or even a roar. So he's roaring out to God in his pain. And nothing that is said or done makes him feel any better at all. He's inconsolable. How many times have you felt that way in your life, where nothing makes you feel any better? The bottom has dropped out of life as you know it, and a a tidal wave of trouble crashes down on you. So uh, let me put it in these terms, that this first section, surviving days of stress, means first of all, expressing your pain. Express your pain. Make some noise. Roar out your agony. Play that song of pain to God. Uh, That's what this psalm is directed to, to God. We so easily might complain or make noise to other people, but here the the emphasis is to God. Uh, I like Timothy George uh, says, prayer begins in pain. Prayer begins in pain. Do you hurt enough to pray? Have you gotten desperate enough to pray? That's what's going on. You say, well, I did pray, and I didn't feel any better as a result. Well, neither did Asaph. Do you you appreciate what's going on in these first three verses? He prayed. He didn't feel any better either. In fact, it kind of made him feel worse. He moaned as a result. And if you are distressed, and Asaph's words connect with you, pray those words just like that. This is a, a beginning part of what it means to, to overcome and survive days of distress. He says, you know, I yell out to you, God, with all my might. I'm in trouble, and I look to you, and I don't feel comforted. I think of you, Lord, and it, and it makes me groan. I try to focus my mind on you, and I'm just overwhelmed. That's prayer. Express your pain. 
to God. And that's section one. So section two begins in verse four. And uh, uh, Asaph can't sleep. Uh, he ponders how to put his life back together again. His inner self, his mind is tormenting him. You've felt that before, perhaps. He can't talk to anyone about what he's feeling. Songs do not bring relief. He says all this in this section. Nothing makes him feel any better. And he shouts his pain to God, but nothing happens. And so this is what he wonders as a result. Verse 7. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? So there's six questions there, one right after the other. Six questions. And the rational answer to those questions, each of them would be, of course not. But that's not how it feels to Asaph at all. At the moment, he feels like God and his unfailing love has failed, that he's not there. But, but I would tell you that the very act of questioning God is helpful. There's relief that comes. There's understanding that develops, that begins when doubts and fears are put into words to God. Now, you might say, well, why are these questions in the Bible? Doesn't it kind of seem inappropriate to say these things about God? Well, they're in the Bible because we do not serve an antiseptic God who is remote, removed, untouched, untouchable. No, the very opposite. Our God came into the very depths of our human condition in Christ and was put to test in every conceivable way that you and I are put to the test, and with the exception that he never sinned. Jesus was not a stranger to questions. Even as the perfect son of God, Jesus questioned. On the cross, he cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So here's the second Part of the strategy. Not only express your pain, but ask questions. Ask questions. When you form questions and bring them to God, it is therapeutic. It's the beginning of that road to surviving days of distress. As you confess your doubts and your frailty and your human limitations and inability to understand the mind of God, I had a pastor friend who, who confessed to me that he was taught and believed that any expression, any hint of doubt was sin. No questions asked. So when people would come to him expressing doubt, he would kind of condemn them and call it sin. And he, he felt that, that no uh, part of doubt was allowed. But I think it's very unhealthy to deny times of doubt. Philip Yancey says that doubt is the skeleton in the closet of faith, and I know no better way to treat a skeleton than bring it out in the open and expose it for what it is. Not something to hide or fear, but a structure on which living tissue may grow. That's what questions do. They bring doubts out into the open. Agonizing cries are acceptable to God. And when Asaph asks the questions, it moves him toward relief. So he says this, verse 10. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years of the right hand of the Most High. 
I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Now, I think this is the center point, the uh, very important part of the psalm, particularly verses 11 and 12. Now, something I don't want you to miss here is that through the whole first half of this song, Asaph refers to himself repeatedly, in fact, 23 times. He says, I, 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 me, my, I. And all of that comes to an end after verse 12. It's all about him and his issues until after verse 12. He's so focused on his disappointments and his distress and his questions and his fears, but then something dramatically changes. Something brings about a sudden change. And in the entire rest of the psalm, he never mentions himself once again. After verse 12. What happened? Well, what he just said in verses 11 to 12 happened. He, he began to remember and repeat and meditate on the works and wonders of God in history. He began to focus on who God was, what he has done, his truth. And so I, I would call this... Uh, third part of the strategy, rehearse scripture. Yes, express your pain to God. Ask questions, but rehearse scripture. You can't stay stuck in that simply questioning, doubting phrase. If you don't read the word, repeat the word, think about the word, savor, soak, and meditate on the word daily, have your mind and emotions shaped by the word, you will be at best a weak Christian, and you will be fragile you will be easily deceived as so much of the professing Christians in our country seem to be today. You will be distressed. You will be paralyzed by trouble. You will be stuck in mediocrity unless the truth of Scripture is in your mind, understanding who God is. And the struggle that many of you have is that you're deliberately choosing not to remember, to repeat, to apply the truth of God. How do I know? Because it happens to me. I fail too. So, um, on Monday, I left home, and and uh, typically I, I need to tell Amy, you know, I'll be home for dinner tonight, or, and often on Mondays or Tuesdays, I'm not home for dinner. I was like, I'm not sure what I'll be doing uh, yet tonight, but I'll text you later. And so I texted her later, and my text said something like, yes, I'll be home for dinner. I feel like I, I'm emotionally eating today. Like, I was a little beaten up already. And I was like, I'm, you know, I'm feeding my emotions. I, I said that. I don't. I might have been just kidding. She texted back, cast it away. Now, for those of you who were here last week, you realize that that was the sermon that I'd preached the day before. And I really don't like people applying my own sermons to me. But the reality was she's saying, you know, you need to throw this over unto God. Focus on his word, which was true. I ate dinner anyway, but still, the point was made. The Bible is God's love story for his people throughout history. And when we're in days of distress... And it seems like the Lord has rejected us and his mercy is gone. We take and read, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning was the word. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. 
And this brings us to reality. This reminds us of who God is and what he has done and that his unfailing love will never perish. See, rehearsing the past is the basis for faith. I put it in these words, you must rehearse God's truth every day. Now, a young lady gave me these pictures she drew last week after the service, and she said, you can share this with everybody. So I, I do that. I get pictures from time to time. This one I felt fit, so I would share Hannah's picture today as it presents the crucifixion and the risen, glorified Jesus. And as I've said many times through the years, this is why you and I, we must preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. Remember and rehearse the truth that out of his great love, God sent his son to rescue us from sin and death. The sinless Jesus took the sin of the world on himself and paid the penalty I deserve to pay, you deserve to pay. The punishment for sin was poured out on the perfect Jesus so that all who take shelter under Jesus alone are saved. All who trust in him alone cross over, Jesus said, from death to life and become children of God. And this is made certain by the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. And because he was raised to life, I have new life now and eternal life to come. His resurrection guarantees my resurrection. So I need that truth. I must rehearse it every day. That brings us to the final section. Verse 16. When the waters saw you, O God, they were afraid. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. So again, I want to point out to you, all the I's and the me's have disappeared. The song ends with a barrage of praise toward God. You, 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 you. 17 times Asaph points to God and said, you did this. This is yours. The lightning bolts are yours. The waves are yours. The wind is yours. The powerful forces of nature are under your control, O God. I, uh, last week, I think it was, finished a book on uh, the Galveston hurricane in 1900, still the uh, deadliest natural disaster in U.S. history. Some of you remember, some of you might have been there, I don't know, 1900. Um, what struck me in the beginning of this tale about the Galveston hurricane was the, the it said that our country was swollen with pride and technological confidence. So much so that we felt we could even control the weather, let alone predict it. Control it. So there was this attitude at the turn of the, that century that we were, in, they, we were proud. That's a problem with Americans. We're a pretty prideful lot. And that pride came about at a time where a storm that was not predicted by our weather people to hit us at all was the most deadly in U.S. history, eight to 12,000 people died. Now, what I see here is Asaph, after expressing his pain and asking his questions and rehearsing Scripture, what it does is awakens worship. It, it, it underscores this, this character and person of who God is. And, and suddenly now, as he as he gets this point, his troubles are overshadowed by the Lord's mighty power that he sees now even in the nature around him and begins to appreciate all over. And, and so I would say, describe it this way, that yeah, express your pain, ask questions, rehearse scripture, and then you get to the point where you magnify God. You come to a place of worship. 
But we sang a few moments ago, I am who you say I am, which is a powerful truth to understand that our identity is founded in who God says I am, not other factors. But I think worship comes when we realize, God, you are who you say you are. You are who you say you are, the creator, redeemer, sustainer of the universe. And then worship swallows up doubt, and boldness of God swallows up our fear. And only when you give God the honor and position he deserves can you put your distress, whatever it is, in perspective. Magnifying God will diminish your problems. Worship recalibrates the soul. That's what it means to magnify God. It's worship. Recalibrates the soul. And the problem is that when you are distressed, discouraged, depressed, you usually don't feel like worshiping. That's the reality. And Asaph got to that point through the process of expressing his pain and questioning God and reciting the truth of God. And that's why gathering to worship with God's people is so crucial to your spiritual health. Catherine Green uh, confesses how she went through 10 years of extreme depression and, and illness, and she says it was the gathering of the church that brought her through. She said it's so important to worship in community, to have brothers and sisters in Christ pray for you. She says companionship in the Lord Jesus is powerful. And that's why corporate worship can, can help us in that way, to exalt the name of God. Together, we lift up his name and power, and it helps put life's trouble into perspective. Now look how the psalm ends, verses 19 and 20. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So Asaph returns again to the great story of the rescue of Israel from Pharaoh's army. Uh, There uh, Israel is headed towards the promised land, but trapped. The sea is in front of them. The approaching enemy army is behind them. And what did God do? He made a way where there seemed to be no way. He parted the waters. And the Lord did not appear in that. He didn't show up physically. The invisible God did not reveal himself. There was only deliverance. It was a great deliverance. Israel was led through, right through the sea on dry ground. Water piled up on each side. And then when Pharaoh's army entered into that same pathway, the sea crashed back down and buried them, and no clues were left. No evidence remained of that great miracle. There was only deliverance. Let me put it this way. That last slide. In your day of distress, God still leads, even though you cannot see him. There's so many things that block our vision of God. And how does this song end? Uh, You're you're the invisible shepherd, Asaph says. I can't see, I don't even see evidence of your presence, and yet you're here. God was leading the whole time, even though Israel could only see Moses and Aaron out in front. The, The care of the great shepherd was seen in these two faulty men, Moses and Aaron. At those times that you cannot see God and there's no trace of his presence, he's still out in front guiding you toward his purpose. When you can't see a way forward, when when there's no sign of God's work in your situation, when there are no footprints, he still leads in the miraculous, in the ordinary, 
in the roaring, in the silence, in the brilliance, in the darkness, the invisible shepherd is always there. Cry out to him. What does that mean? What does that mean? I've never been scuba diving in my life, but uh, I, I read of how a Navy diver described the experience and talked about diving deep, so deep, so dark, it's almost impossible to keep from becoming disoriented and confused. Sounds very claustrophobic to me. It's a, described as a terrifying feeling, unable to see your own hand in front of your face, and, and you can easily get disoriented and, and confused and and. Panic can engulf you as you're surrounded, not being able to see. And so the the Navy diver was asked, what do you do when you don't know which way is up? What do you do in that that darkness when, when you don't know which direction is the right direction? And the diver said, feel the bubbles. He says, you reach up with your hand and you feel the bubbles. Because the bubbles always drift to the surface. When you, when you can't trust your feelings or your judgment, he said, you can trust the bubbles to get you back to the top. In your days of distress, how can you know which way is up? How can you survive the darkness and the silence? Worship is the stream of bubbles that leads you toward the invisible shepherd. As you honor the one who has done all, Whether you feel, he feels so absent and distant from me to to express your praise and adoration to him. Worship is that stream of bubbles that leads you toward the invisible shepherd. Cry out to him. Remember his mighty power. Remember his tremendous acts of deliverance. Lift your hands in praise. Declare his work of redemption through the perfect Savior, Jesus. And even when the Lord seems to be gone without a trace, even when there are no footprints in the sand, He is right there, present with you. Worship him. Pray with me. Lord, I have no idea of whatever stresses or distress might be upon your people today. But Lord, you do. May we cry out to you and express our pain. May we ask you, those questions and yet then turn to your truth and give you the worship and praise you deserve that in our day of distress we would know the invisible shepherd is still leading and guiding and protecting us we know this is true because you have declared it through your son jesus we pray amen
And as always, I'll be here at the front at the close of the service today. If you'd like to just come and uh, say hello or uh, have me pray with you or give me something you drew during the service, that's fine too. Please uh, receive this benediction. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. God bless you. Go in peace. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Right now, right now I'm losing that. Stood on the stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be all right. Right now. Oh, right now I just can't. It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down. What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right